Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Yeah! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name's Nick Ingvall. Got a special episode today. Going to talk about some potential retro product for 2021. And just, just kind of revisit some of the shoes that came out in, uh, I guess, historical anniversaries. And I've got my guys, Robbie and Rowett, but I've also got Marvin, MJO23, Dan with us to, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, be our expert on this uh, subject matter, so to speak. So, uh, what's good, fellas? How you guys doing? Subject matter expert, I believe is the term. Yeah, SME. Appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, man. Of course. Um, if you if you are not familiar with Marvin, just uh, actually, I'm going to let you give a little brief intro. But we had you on the podcast, uh, man. I guess it's been about a year now. Since we did the uh, the airship conversation from early in last year, but um, maybe give like a, a quick a quick intro and you know background on on your storyline in this whole sneaker game. Yeah. So what's up, guys? It's Marvin, also known as MJO23 Dan. Um, I don't know. I've probably been doing the YouTube thing, social media thing since 2013, um, but I've always been a longtime collector of Air Jordans, Nikes. Um, but, you know, mostly Air Jordans. Uh, that spans back to like 1995 when I got my first pair of Concord 11s. Uh, I was 15 at the time and uh, just skyrocketed from there. So um, just really happy to share like anything that comes to mind when it comes to like the collector mentality. Um, I guess preserving sneakers in a sense. Um, you know, just really seeing the ups and downs of um OGs to retros to re-retros to re-re-re-retros and you know just going through the whole cycle of like how Jordan Brand um, tries to maintain the nostalgia that we all like want to captivate so um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell yeah so I think we kind of connected probably Soul Collector forums right in like the mid 2000s maybe late to early 2000, late 2010, 2000s. I don't, that sounds weird, but like, let's say 2007, eight, somewhere in there, right. In the forums. And, uh, you know, I always admired your ability as, as, you know, admin mod God of the forum, so to speak, uh, like navigating all of that, but also like, you know, just always providing this, this kind of, uh, like crucial information that, you know, we, we've talked about even on that 
airship podcast, one of the things that I both love and hate about sneakers is the brands doing the storytelling in a way that doesn't always bring the truth to light. And, you know, it's 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 a good thing to have someone like yourself who kind of, you know, like you're not trying to call anybody out, but you're like trying to make sure that the, the that the real story and the marketing story run in parallel. Right. And your collection and your approach to this has been really fascinating to me as as someone who's, you know, gotten to know you over the years, because I think that, you know, as we're getting into like like this year specifically being, you know, you have this whole new generation of sneakerheads that, uh, you know, maybe maybe know of 2001 and the cool gray 11s and like the the kind of like epicness that happened in 2001. I mean, it really was like a a next level of like, wow, there's a lot of stuff coming. Um, and that also is like an interesting way to look at. And I, I would love to hear what you think about it, because. In one sense, it's like I'm happy to see I, I mean, personally, I'm always happy to see retro product come out because I think that it gives people like us an opportunity to tell our stories that connect that sometimes are even better at, you know, encouraging and inviting people into the sneaker community than the brands themselves. Right. Because at the end of the day, the brands have to prioritize so much and they're releasing so much product. You know, they just don't get to tell all the stories to the full aspect of what they should. But do you think that with the like thinking on those like annual, you know, like traditional anniversaries, right? Do you think that, you know, uh, as as the shoes come back out, like you said, in a retro, re-retro, re-re-retro, does that take away from anything for you on either the nostalgia side or, you know, just in the nature of like you wanting to collect? And how do you approach thinking about like, Oh, I'm going to I'm going to get this because it's, you know, a part of my set or 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 not. Right. Like, obviously, there's always these new colorways and, you know, twists and turns. But you you always do a good job of of showcasing the differences throughout the years. But like at some point, you probably say, uh, you know, like that's not for me this time around. Right. And, and like, what's that process like for you? Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you have to pick and choose your battles because you can't really get. Well, I mean, I. I can't. I, I can't speak for everyone else. I can't get every single retro that comes out. Um, it, it really depends. Uh, I, I just think it's uh, well. So how this whole comparison thing came about is, uh, I was really fascinated to see like how the brands move in a direction uh, toward their retros. So um, I always, for purists, you always look for okay. Well, in this next retro that comes out, what is going to be the many factors in which they produce the retro that is going to look like the original. So it's always changed over time, whether it be like every, I don't know, say like a retro of the same colorway um, model and colorway come out every five to seven years or something like that. So you always look towards, okay, what was the past model like, or what was the past colorway like? And you want to see like, has the brand gotten it right? Or like, why are they changing it this way? So then you have to really start, to think back and be like, well, maybe they didn't have those material choices at this time to be able to get back to what it once was. Or are they creating a retro to make it better than the last? So I always see that as a fascinating point where every time they retro something, you want to see if they're improving the product or they're bringing it back. So I think in a way, 
they try and give us a balance of that where they want to be able to better the product as it was before. Um, but I also think that there's a, there was a period in, in Jordan Brand's retro lineage that they went cheap. And, uh, I mean, they can probably attest to that too. And, you know, there, there's a period in there where, you know, either uh, midsole paint like chipped away or um, like they use cheap leathers. Um, but I would say like now, like they're getting better uh, as far as retroing their shoes. They're using better quality leathers. Uh, they're, they're getting the shapes a little bit better, but it's still not quite there. So I think... I almost think that's like they're trying to tease it in a, in a sense where they try and appease to the OG guys to try and wheel them back in. Um, but it's it's like there, but it's not there. And there's a lot of different factors that, you know, play into it. You know, as I mentioned before, whether it be like, you know, the original materials that were used then um, that can be used today Um you know, perhaps the the factory that they got, like the different types of leathers that they use or uh, materials are not available, you know, in, in today's, um, I guess, retro landscape. So, uh, again, there's a, there's like a lot of factors that play into the retro game. Um, but I always just think it's a really fascinating thing to see, like the the way that they go about it. I was going to ask you that as somebody that's just kind of beautifully put up this monologue about, okay, this is what we would expect our retros, but this is kind of the evolution of it or the de-evolution of it in a sense. Speaking just for yourself, what do you think is that ideal sweet spot? And if that's that billion dollar question that Nike's just kind of hanging on, like, how do you answer that? Because you've just kind of put this case out there that as a retro hunter or a rep retro collector, I'm looking for this, this, and this, but I also have to kind of adjust for whatever societal effects there are that are currently compromising the shoe market or accentuating it. So what is that, uh, that sweet spot for you that you're like, you know what? this is it. This is the inflection point that I would say, this is what Nike or Jordan has to do going forward. So I always feel like there are, so in terms of the original, I always think that there is always room for improvement when you're, when you're talking about uh, retooling a shoe or uh, re-retroing the shoe. Um, I, I would say that the brand definitely wants to be able to better their product. Um, for example, let's talk about the, um, the Kobe's, uh, you know, with their Protro uh, model, where they want to be able to create a shoe in Kobe's sense, where they want to elevate the original product, whether that be um, changing out like the uh, the air units in it or uh, putting them in, in different areas, either in the heel or the forefoot, or, or making it, the bags bigger or whatnot. Um, so I almost think in a sense that Jordan will probably move into that direction. Um, but I, I think for me, like I always look at it as, well, how can they take the original shoe, still make it look the same, but make it better? So I feel like Kobe and Nike, in a sense, when they when when, when the when it was at that time of that meeting that they were talking about, OK, well, when is Kobe going to retro his shoes? That's probably at the point where, okay, well, let's make them look the same. They're retro, but let's make them better performing sneakers or, you know, better than the original. So, you know, hopefully 
Jordan will take that approach and move it forward with their shoes. Like I would love to see like an Air Jordan one that has like a, a wedge uh, Nike Air and the heel to be a zoom unit all throughout the whole bottom. So while making it still look like like the original Air Jordan one. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. And uh, that's that's always one of the things that you're always excited about. Like, what is the next thing that they're going to create that will be able to, you know, showcase what their brand's going to be really about? It's kind of interesting because they have done like various versions of that. Right. Like the, you know, the alpha ones back in the day and like but they they've deliberately kept it from looking original for so long. And then the Kobe line comes along. And I actually wanted to ask you this, Robbie, because you're like a huge Kobe fan and, and a huge LeBron kind of collector. How, how does that how does that uh, like affect your thought on purchasing the shoes? Did like would that change your opinion on like the Jordan side? Obviously, you're you know, you're into all this stuff, but like, you know, I th- I look at it personally and I look at the Kobe's and think, look, the Kobe six, Kobe four, five and six are still shoes that I would happily play in at my old age. I'll go roll my ankle in those any day of the week. But like the rest of them, right, like LeBron seven, LeBron eight, you know, like I, I, I'm going to appreciate the Air Max cushioning like I'm I'm in my 40s. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be nice and cush, but I'm probably not going to play in them to the same extent. They didn't really do anything different with them to bring these back other than like, you know, reintroducing some great colorways. But then like there is an interesting piece to that where like I almost feel like all these collectors and all these fans expect or want or expect differently. And, you know, like just again, like you're one of those people that like has a has a personal connection to each of these individually, Robbie, but. Like, how do you feel about that whole concept of a pro show versus a retro? Well, what's funny about it is that um, a customer a very long time ago got me this bootleg eBay photo with MJ, LeBron, and Kobe on it. And it proudly sits on my refrigerator. So that sums up how much I like all three of them. It truly is the holy trinity of, like, shoes for me. But um, to the couple points there, I don't think Jordan's ever going to have – a premium tech shoe in a retro because they're always going to want to sell premium tech shoes, comma. They're always want to going to sell retros. So why spell, why spend the R and D when I think all four of us can attest to wishing for a zoom air unit. I tell everybody I put insoles, I put Dr. Scholl's and Svenko's in my Jordan ones because they're awful to wear. So there's, there's a whole like um, ecosystem I think to like not putting new tech and retros because you can keep selling new shoes. You can keep selling the Jordan line as a new tech model, you know, 31 and pretty much every, you know, 20, 2009, you know, you don't love it, but that's, they're still thinking tech forward at that point, even to now you can also sell entry level team Jordans with that same newer tech without having to go redo all the work to redo a retro with all those same new techs. So you get like three different avenues. You get the retro, the entry level basketball, and then the signature Jordan line with the peak performance numbered all the bells and whistles. So I don't think that's ever going to happen the way Kobe chose to have that performance mentality with his retros coming back. 
it's interesting to hear these stories of him wanting to have his own shoe brand that's more tech driven, but it also plays into what he's always wanted from the jump and kind of why, if you want to go all the way back, why he left Adidas, right? The shoes weren't, I mean, they're clunkers. I mean, they're cool, but they're clunkers. So it's like he always sought what's the best thing for performance to help me be a better basketball player. So anytime his shoe comes back out, it kind of has to keep that same mentality. It has to keep improving itself when possible. But there's Kobe collectors like myself and this Los Angelinos and this Laker nation who just want Kobe stuff to look like the, the way it looks when he played. So he benefited from his era of his shoes already being tech driven. It's not really all that hard to put a drop in. You can even get really lazy. You can put a drop in insole with a zoom unit in the drop in. You can do something really easy. He has many, many options. You can improve Flywire on the, uh, on like the, I would consider the Hyperdunk a Kobe shoe, but you can just do so many things that it's little tweaks to already technically proficient shoes. And then the last part of that is like the LeBrons, like these eights, this is, I've had every version of the LeBron eight, the postseason, the V2, the low, the original, and this is the original LeBron eight in all its glory. Like it has the same crappy fly wire. It's all, it's, it's all the way it was. Um, back in 2011, I believe. So you don't have to update the tech in this because it's a viable basketball option now. It it really is. I mean, is it the lightest shoe? No. Is it, um, you know, does it have, you know, Zoom Air within the Air Max? Is it sectioned off Air Max? No, it's just like a Heritage Air Max bag like the Air Max 2010 had. Every shoe from like Nike from like 2009, if you had Air Max from 2009 to like 12, it had this heritage bag. So it's completely proficient and viable, but you're never going to have to do anything new to that because LeBron James is an icon. So when the shoe retros again in 15 years, the people that never saw LeBron play are still going to say, oh, damn, that's the new LeBron retro. And I can still go playing it right now and not sweat my feet out and you know, put go through two pairs of socks like you're gonna go in a jordan nine I, I think of those olives those gorgeous olives like those things are sweat factories you're gonna go wear the biggest puddliest socks ever <laughs> and so yeah that's my point lebron will never have to kobe's doing it because he wanted it and jordan will never do it because the money's too good i mean that that makes me wonder if i will argue though go ahead Oh no! I will. I will argue though that if they, if Jordan Brand did want to do something like that, they'd have to start out limited first. So if they were going to put out something with a tech-driven retro, they're going to have to put something that's limited to see and appease the, the fans and the you know the nostalgia of it all um, to see if it will work. So um, you think back to like the Air Jordan Eight, you know, with with retros above the fifteen, they started uh, messing with giving us. Uh, Jordan 18s, um, the 17, I think the trophy rooms or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, the 16s, I think was uh Soulfly or something like that. I don't know. Um, I have to, I'm not like, I can't think back too far. I got to Google stuff sometimes, but, um, yeah, I would say like, you know, some of that stuff like has to be limited if they were going to, uh, 
put a tech-driven retro um, out into the market just to see like if it would work. If not, then they can continue making the same type of retros that they can continue doing, and I will be right there trying to compare each and every single one of them. <laughs> Nick, if I may, uh, Marvin, what do you make of the 11 Adapt then? Do you think that is kind of a proof of concept of, hey, let's try this out. If it works, we look like geniuses. And if it doesn't, oh, it was just a snapshot in time. And we just wanted to showcase that we're good business partners to Nike and Nike technology. Yeah, I think the, with the Adapt 11, I didn't go for those, but I think it's more of so of a prop than it is anything of a regular retro that's going to be put out. Like you have the technology to put out something like that and it being one of the first Jordans to do it. Um, I'm not sure what the reception was with the general public on the Adapt 11, but um, I just don't see myself or any basketball player really playing in them at least, you know, long term. Um, it would be something that like you know back then swaggy p would wear like a yeezy on court and it'd just be like a shock factor type thing oh well he's playing in the adapt 11 but yeah so how is that going to work long time you know robbie had just pointed out you know uh, as far as like the lebron that he was showing earlier um you know that's something that you can wear you know uh after multiple games but you know with with something as heavy tech driven as the adapt 11 i don't think it's going to last long term at least not on court so i'm gonna give it back to nick but so the adapt 11 is like a concept car i think so the adapt bb is the released audi e-tron or you know whatever it was called um and then there's the concept version which is the 11 bb which you can see it you can buy I, you can, not a direct comparison but it's not it has the tech but it's not made to perform like that so the car yeah i mean that that's I'm glad you brought up the the adapts because that's a that's one of the things that I wanted to actually talk a little bit more about in this conversation. But also like going back to what Robbie was talking about about you know Michael, Kobe, and LeBron and the difference between the three and their retros. I'm really fascinated by the NBA players wanting to play in retro product, and there's 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 a few different ways I want to talk about that, but like basically, you know, there's been, I've been on the, I've been on both sides of that argument to say that like, look, you know, the NBA is not the, the driver of sales, right? Like a hundred percent, the NBA is not driving sales of a lot of product. Like it used to be right. We all came into this because of basketball, you know, maybe a little bit for some of us because of skateboarding that was also looking at basketball, right? Like it, it, when I was a kid, like, we went from skateboarding to playing basketball in the same shoes, whether like that Shout was, out bones. I mean, I don't have, I don't have, a, I can't reach my Jordan nine originals, but like that shoe for me was like everything, right? Because it was the first pair that I bought and it was all that I had. So I did everything in it. But I think that, uh, you know, that that's an interesting piece to this, that we have all these guys that are, are, you know, almost like making names for themselves based on what they carry to the game. And, you know, it's a fascinating thing. I, I'm one of those people, like the more eyes and energy that come to the sneaker world, the happier I am. Right. Like ultimately I just look at it as like, look, an adapt 11 is not for me, but if it gets headlines and a bunch of people want to go after it, 
that means that Nike's going to have more money to make the products that I'm looking forward to Marvin breaking down in 2022 and 2023 to compare, you know, like what does that 30 year retro of the Jordan nine look like? The money comes from all these like facets of the business. And, and I kind of feel like I'm a little bit removed from like the collector's aspect in my mind when I talk about that. But like, I think that there's a really weird like trend right now for the players to be looking at retro product because they need to stand out, right? Which means they have to diversify what Nike's just going to straight up offer them. Some of the guys will get a Kobe PE colorway. Some of the guys might even get, you know, team shoes. Some of the guys might get Jordan PEs, but there's, you know, I don't know, let's say a hundred, 150 dudes playing in the league and roughly 90% of them want to wear a unique shoe every day, every game. And half of them want to carry a second shoe into the gym. Cool. So it's a it's a really weird time where, you know, the brands have to be, you know, and we're going to generally speak about Nike and Jordan, but all the brands have to kind of be aware of like, hey, this is this is kind of interesting, right? Like there's a there's a opportunity to, you know, have these guys carrying retro product and playing in performance. But that's a whole different mindset than what like, you know, Marvin, you were talking about about Jordan brand or, or Robbie, you were talking about, right, where. Jordan brand is like almost still trying to do these two worlds, but then they don't, you know, like I think like a lot of people probably fall into that category of like, just give us zoom air in a Jordan four or a Jordan three and make it look the same. Give us a little more cushion. And like, this is a casual shoe, but we would play in this if it was, if it had just a little bit here and there. Right. And it's, you know, kind of a little bit of like part of the conversation we had with the wear testers guys around this topic a little bit in in a recent episode but i really think that there's there's you know robbie nailed it with the comparison of the three kind of you know cornerstones of how we approach sneakers and whether that's from the brands or from cons as a consumer but at what point does the brand have to react to the players doing what they want to do right because the reason that 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 Jordans became cool is because of MJ. The reasons that Kobe became performance is because of Kobe. If LeBron is always going to be looking to wear retro products on the court once in a while, then what does that look like when you're trying to sell a $200, $250, you know, sig you know, like pinnacle signature sneaker for Nike basketball? Because it's contradicting, you know, the, the message that you're telling, you know, the 16, 17 year old kid that's just like kind of, fresh into this as a, as a fan, as a, as a baller or whatever that is. And how will they ever be able to, di you know, distinguish between those, right? Like, will LeBron eventually say, look, Bronny's not going to play in my old tech LeBron eight. We need a new tech LeBron eight for him before I retire. Right? Like that seems like a legitimate conversation that could happen between LeBron and, and Nike basketball guys. Right. But I don't know, like, I'm just going to, I guess, throw it to you guys and, and see what you think about that, because I feel like there's just this, it's almost like LeBron at some point, you know, like he, he's wearing new stuff too, right? Like, you know, just saw his, you know, birthday shoes, right? He's got bright pink uh, 18s or whatever. And it's like, that. that's a beautiful shoe. But then if you're, if you're pushing the retro the same day that you wear this crazy shoe, are you, you know, like there's only so many of us that are willing to go the extra mile and dig in and find out what he was wearing on that day and go, or go back. Right. Like, 
I think like there's, you know, like looking at what you've done over the years, Marvin, and, and my career path with all this stuff, it's like, you know, there's just not a lot of people that want to just obsess over this the way we do. And if people don't obsess over it to say like, like, what's it look like 10 years from now when the conversation is, do we retro the, the 18 birthday or do we just re retro the Lakers eight again? Like that's a, a weird kind of conundrum that the, I think the brand will be in. I'll, I'll alley-oop it to Marvin, but like when you guys were growing up, cause you two are older than Roa and I, like the shoes were like tertiary. So like you have the player, but then probably the cards were the second most important thing you wanted, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go try to get this MJ card or this penny card than five colorways of the penny one. I mean, it's realistically, you probably have a card or two cards before you have 10 pairs of one shoe or a line at that point covers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of now it's like the shoes are their own story. There's so much social and everything behind it. So like you'll never have to bring the LeBron. I mean, unless you really want to, the LeBron eight has already come out in every other kind of version, the postseason the V2, the low. So if you do want a more tech-driven version, they already did it. They can just bring that one back and make that money again. So I don't think you'll ever have to have a full facelift with the LeBron line retros like you'll have to have, or if you choose to have with Michael. Hmm. I passed the rock. (laughs) What's hard is that the older guys like us are wanting to go back and getting stuff that we couldn't obtain when we were younger. So that's why retro has been such a craze nowadays is that people can afford it now that they're older, they have jobs, they can get them. Um, But there is a a, a really grand balancing act that the brand has to do in order to appease both the kids that, you know, may want to play in the new stuff, but they also want to understand what this, this old stuff was about. And then you have the old guys that are like, well, I just want what was I couldn't get then that I can try and get now. So retro has really become uh, a really big business to the brands. So um, I can remember back then, um, and Nick, you may know, is that, you know, they didn't come out with so many colorways back then. Uh, You know, you had like the Jordan 7. And it only came out like in what four or five colors or something. Now we have how many yeah. colors that come out in a year? Like, Ninety in twenty twelve, um, twenty twenty. Yeah, you know what I mean. So um, it's really hard. It's a really hard balancing act for the brands to be able to appease both sides of the spectrum. So um, I don't. I don't know what your viewers are on that, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pass the rock to you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really kind of fascinating challenge for the brands, right? Because, you know, uh, let me preface this by saying, like, I've worked, you know, for and with and alongside a lot of these companies for the last 12, 13 years. And I understand that, like, in the grand scheme of things, sneakerheads don't matter. Like, I'm not saying that they don't matter at all, but like, bottom line, dollar for dollar, we are very like 
very we make very all, all money is created equal is what you're saying <laughs> yeah yeah right and and that's that's a, a that's always been a challenge right when i worked at finish line you know it's it's really tough because i'm trying to bring people on that are excited about sneakers i'm trying to you know work with different people and and hire people and you know get people excited about sneakers but at the end of the day I just need you to buy an extra pair of socks so we can hit our numbers, right? Like that's that's the 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 shitty situation about the world of sneakers, you know. And and love it or hate it, like it's the it's the Nike Monarch, right? Or Air Monarch. It's like you know that shoe is is the sixty fifty five dollar. You know, get it at I was going to say Mervins, but they're out of business for like a decade, but. If you if you know Mervins, oh. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like I feel like the 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 you know the Air Monarch was made for that like Kohl's type of retailer because a majority of people go into that store and buy Nikes. They don't care what the shoe is. They just go in. They say this is the one on sale and it's got a swoosh on it. I've always loved an all black shoe with a white logo or an all white shoe with a navy logo. Those two colorways outsell everything for all these retailers for all these brands no matter what the case is, right? And we get excited about the, the things that differentiate. Robbie, before we started recording, was talking about the details on the LeBron 8. Some of the things that I forgot about, right? Like the bigger perforations and having the eight hole, the bigger, eight bigger perforation, perforated holes on the sides. And like those details for people that get really passionate about it are amazing, right? We get so excited about the little things like that because it's it's what we get to look at and say, this is what makes this special. And this is what makes this something that only our, I mean, our our peers and community of sneakerheads has gotten massive compared to what it was. You know, I, I mean, I just think back to like Soul Collector days, right? Like, you know, we thought we had a massive audience of, you know, hitting like 200,000 members on the forums. We probably never had near that active at the same time. But like, that was like a very small percentage of the the entire globe of people that bought sneakers. But we felt so connected because we could talk about those crazy little details that, you know, like we show it to our parents and they're like, yeah, great. Another pair of shoes. Why do you keep buying those? Quit buying them. Go get a better job. Like go buy a house. Go buy a house. You already got a house, black pair. Shouldn't you be a doctor or a lawyer by now? Like, you know, that's kind of the, the, the thing that we got excited about. And I wonder how you're going to recreate that now because we're in this time where, like Robbie said, if if, you know, there's all these variations of the shoes, right? Like we've we've gotten to the point where there's a lot of shoes available. If you want a retro, you can buy, I mean, 90. You can basically buy two retros a week the entire year. That's insane, right? And like like you said, I don't know if, if it was before we were recorded or not, but you know, like you gotta pick and choose your battles and, and where you actually want to say, this is gonna be something I pick up and Inevitably, at least in my experience in, in you know, meeting you guys and everybody that I've met in the sneaker space, we always put off a lot of those purchases, too, because we're like, it's not a now purchase. It's a I'll pick that up when the price drops later or I'll pick that up when the timing is better for me or, you know, it'll be on the it'll be on the like the, the, the back of the mind list in case I come across it at a convenient price or somebody needs to unload it. And we don't have a way to do that with new product. I, at least I don't think so. I, I, you know, like you brought up Swaggy P and, you know, I immediately thought of Gilbert Arenas being like the, the, the decade before of like just 
wearing all this random stuff. Kobe's year, you know, we've got these questions dropping and, you know, from from Kobe's, you know, free agency year. All of those little things just don't really happen the same way because you've got guys, at least on the court, that are just trying to wow you with what they have access to. Right. You know, this is not shots at anybody, but like P.J. Tucker being like the face of the sneaker world for NBA fans is a perfect example of this. You know, he wears shoes that are not his size. And I respect that because I would have done the same thing when I was younger. And, you know, I have plenty of shoes that are maybe a half size, maybe a full size if I was really like needed to have it kind of shoe. But I wouldn't play in them. And that's a really interesting thing because you're now exposing the masses to all these very specific details in the big, you know, of sneakers as a collectible, as a, as a, you know, subculture, as a community, whatever you want to call it. But there's no way for those stories to resonate with anybody outside of like, oh, PJ Tucker wore these and I saw it on Instagram. And because we see that times 50 or 100 guys every week, I mean, I can't even keep up with, all, with what all the players wear at this point because I see pictures of them coming in the tunnel, leaving the tunnel, on the court, first half, second half. The beauty of of what Marvin was saying about like the Jordan 7s and only having a handful of colorways is that you really got to see when Michael wore something special, right? Like if you were paying attention or if you, you know, had if you had friends that were paying attention, you you literally looked at it and were like, is there something different about that? Like, oh, you know, like, I mean, Russ Bankson and I talk about this a lot with like, you know, just Michael wearing white laces in the fives was uh, like just such an anomaly compared to the rest of the league at the time. Right. One, he, him wearing black shoes was, you know, an anomaly. Right. Compared to a lot of the guys, everybody's wearing white still in the late 80s and early 90s. And it's very, you know, like that's what made the Jordans cool, though. Right. They were so far and beyond what you know, we expected to see from a sneaker. Yeah. And, and obviously the, the sneaker world and, and Nike basketball kind of followed suit and, you know, ca- carried that whole thought process and blew it up to the way we are now. But I just don't see, I don't see ways for people to, to be excited about these, you know, I, I don't know what the best way to put it, micro stories along the way. Right. Because we're already in this, very like, you know, I don't know what you call it, like focused interest group of of what we like, right? With being sneaker guys. And yes, that's gotten bigger, but it's still relatively small compared to the general consumer, right? The general consumer sees a red and black shoe. Oh, oh, oh the perfect example. The general consumer sees a dub zero and thinks, oh, that's, a, that's those Jordans that Michael wore back in the day and they buy... The, the Bulls colorway of the Dub Zero or the Bulls colorway of a, a Flight 9 or like any of those offshoot Jordan shoes that, that we would look at and think it's never going to really be a priority. I might like one or two colors here and there and I might pick up something if there's a good story or if it's cheap enough. But like we never will look at those shoes the same way we look at an actual Jordan retro, you know, because of our, you know, I guess relationship and fan fandom for Michael, right? And and for the shoes themselves. So that's kind of a, a, a piece that I think is going to be really challenging for the brands as they move forward from this. It's like you have an incredible amount of energy. You have less time to tell important stories. 
because everybody just moves swipes right past right at least at least with I, I mean I feel like I'm harking back to soul collector days but at least when you did something that put a soul put a shoe on the cover of soul collector or even a shoe on the cover in East Bay catalog you had something very tangible that got passed around and the story was carried around the circle of people that became the stories that we tell to people now that right now in my opinion feels like a you know like it feels like us complaining about not hitting on sneakers app like it feels like there's very little of that social uh the community aspect of of carrying those stories and as much as i love working in the business i really do like have a concern for the people that are going to try to carry those stories on because ultimately it's going to be really difficult to you know try to revisit these things we see we see uh i don't want to i don't want to point any fingers or name any names but recently i saw somebody kind of coming back at one of the retailers because of them so what i did at finish line was i tried to bring in more of the like more of the outlier things right like um in a episode with with russ binkson that's that will be out right around this time i talk about how you know we carried the torch through those magazines through the conversations and it wasn't just basketball right it was it was hip-hop it was you know it was camping out it was like all these these like just much deeper level and much more intricate stories the same way that we look at a shoe and look at those perforations and like you know like I mean, just think about how crazy that is. If you handed somebody a sneaker in the middle of, you know, let's say we didn't have, you know, a, a pandemic going on. But if you're if you're in a Macy's and you hand somebody a sneaker, there's there's very few people in that store that are going to look at the store and go, oh, it's crazy. This this one little perforation is bigger compared to the rest. But like we all know people that we would hand those shoes to that would be like, God, I remember that little I mean, you know, like the alpha you know alpha uh oh i'm drawing a blank the the five dots on all the alpha line from nike basketball right mm-hmm. forget what that was called but like those types of things are those like very deep stories and they're not connected to the there's product Program. there's players and there's the community story of it and now I don't think that we have that anymore. And and this is all part of the evolution, right? Like we'll still be here probably talking about this in 10 years going, yeah, this is crazy. This is how this worked. And it'll be some other weird thing. But like, to me, what is that? Like, how do, you know, how, how does the guy that's just buying to resell or the, you know, like paying $500 for this Adapt 11 connect that story with people when there's fewer people getting the shoe, fewer people actually talking about the shoe and less importance to like, I'd say like sports culture, hip hop culture, global, you know, entertainment type stuff other than maybe a celebrity wearing it. Right. That's the only thing I can think of. Man, it's, it's Nike battlegrounds is is the five dots you were were thinking of, but Marvin's YouTube channel is keeping the conversations alive. We are currently (laughs) keeping these conversations alive and all jokes aside, we really are. And I hope we're talking about this 10 years from now because I think obviously print's dead. That's that's not a news flash. But brands Ironic. more and more are going to 
realize the value in podcasts like this because we can engage and initiate those stories still and we can and we will continue to so marvin's dedicated work you brought up people who don't want to go through the work of cataloging or you know doing the legwork of having each and every of a 2001 retro 2002 etc i'm one of those people who don't want to ever go through that work so his work will help keep that alive so it's like we the four of us and others will keep those stories going because there's never going to be the good old print days there's not even really i mean kim kardashian breaking the internet with her butt and champagne that's like the last magazine cover and credit to i can't stand that woman but credit to her it's a mag i don't know what magazine it was but i know it was a magazine cover like that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. So it's going to be the podcasts. It's going to be the YouTube videos. It's going to be us keeping it alive. So I, I like that because now I can tell people, Hey, I'm in the modern day slam. So I am the new Russ or I am the new Lang Whitaker. So I'll gladly add my LinkedIn profile Scoop. to that. But I think one thing that you'd mentioned, Nick, that I kind of want to go back on is so much of being a sneakerhead right now is being in an echo chamber where you throw an opinion out knowing that everybody else is going to agree with it. And then you feel more justified to perpetuate that narrative. And it's also been one of those things where when you're looking at it, I don't even understand how people get organic ideas anymore because it just seems like, okay, I'm just taking this idea that the kid up the street who I respect, he has this opinion and I'm going to go for it. And I use the example of PJ Tucker because you guys had also previously brought him up. I always look at things more from a basketball lens than a sneaker lens. And that's because I'm just wired a little bit differently, I guess, in this regard. But if I'm listening to, let's say, The Low Post, which is probably the modern day Sports Illustrated from a basketball perspective, he's going to talk about PJ Tucker being a gritty four who's undersized but tough. But compare and contrast that with whatever the modern day equivalent of Complex Magazine is, probably a complex podcast. They are more attuned to him being this sneaker demigod in a sense because he has his own colorway for a Kobe five. He may never get his own signature line, but because he has that heat, so to speak, and he's got that Santa's, uh, whatchamacallit, the Santa carrying sack of shoes, because you are kind of thirsting to see, okay, what is he going to wear next? What does that relate to that sneaker's significance and I guess sneaker history? Shameless plug there. It's going to be really interesting. And one other thing is the fact that for us, you talk about the fact that there was a lot of overlap, right? You have a basketball sneaker and a hip hop connection to these shoes or these magazines. But now as everybody's getting that access to make something more readily apparent by having a phone like this, it seems that we're almost drifting further apart. And you had these connected stories that are now their own genre. So a kid that may have been interested in hip hop and basketball and sneakers in 2002 is now almost isolated to think I'm just a music guy now. I just care about hip hop or I'm just a sneaker guy. I don't really care what the significance is in terms of who the player is on the sneaker. I just know I have to have this sneaker for whatever reason. So it's just a lot of different contrasting ideas. But I think everybody brings up a good point. This thing is ever evolving. And just when we think we've got a good handle of it it completely flips on us. And it's one of those things that if somebody writes the modern day equivalent of sole provider, this era to me is going to be characterized as the reseller era. And that lack of human connection behind the sneakers 
is almost a metaphor for the lack of human communication some people talk about because of the fact that people say, oh, we're overly reliant on technology. And I think resellers kind of represent that because they are here to do one thing and one thing only, which is pick up these sneakers and then flip them and try to get as much profit as they can so they can buy their next thing. And it's weird how it's almost a systematic representation of what we're going through. But like I said, you guys have all articulated this in a way that makes it easier for people that tend to overthink these things like I do. So I thank you for that. I mean, I think it makes some great points. And, and I think like just to like toss this to you, Marvin, I, I or before I toss it to you, I am not, you know, denying that people will come up with their own stories. Right. Like that's the beauty of what these things are to me. Right. Like I don't care if 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 I hand you a Jordan one and and you are, you know, let's say you're Marvin and you're like this. I remember seeing MJ wear this at the garden in 94 and thought, holy, you know, like, how is he doing this? Or if you're the kid that was like the, that got the, you know, $30 pair in 85 and went and shredded everywhere you could possibly shred on your skateboard. Or if you were the kid that just wanted to line up for off-white ones and hang out with your friends for 18 hours in the cold because it was a cool way for you to go hang out with your friends, you know, you know, pandemic aside, I think those stories are incredibly awesome. And I love that that sneakers can just be a thing that like you could literally hand to somebody and say, tell me about this. It's completely different. But yet we all could relate to the element of like what that shoe represents to us. Um, but you know, to, to kind of like hand this off to you, Marvin, with all of these kind of facets, all of this thinking and, and, you know, without like trying to be overly nostalgic, how do you, how do you see like this year, you know, being a, from a collector standpoint or from, you know, like the opportunities for the brand to tell stories and how would you prioritize them? you know, or, or suggest, you know, Nike Jordan brands prioritize those stories, you know, cause obviously we're getting to the point where the catalog is massive, you know, 30 years back, 25 years back, 20 years back. Now we've got retro on retro on retro. So you've, you're compounding the potential stories that you can go chase the same way from a collector standpoint, but also from like, you know, I guess just your, personal opinion on on you know what's important and and how the brand kind of brings that stuff back to light yeah there's a lot to unpack here with you guys just um you know have have discussed uh each of you in the you know past couple of minutes here but um i think what road had had uh, brought up is that you know as connected as we are you know we're still very much disconnected so uh, i think the narrative has to go back to the brands and they have to be able to control the storytelling um you know there's michael jordan he's a he's an icon a legend you know still living um still able to tell some stories as you guys knew with the last dance so a lot of people were home for that you know obviously we're living in the COVID era you know march april nobody was doing anything so i think this was a great opportunity for you know mj and espn films netflix whatnot to be able to share that story with everyone across the globe. And I think at that moment in time, people were able to relate or learn something new that they didn't already know. Or, you know, even some of the older guys know what was happening at that point in time as an adult now to understand, you know, oh, okay, well, that situation I understand now because, you know, I didn't at the time. But 
Um, I think, you know, that type of storytelling there is something that the brand should really take and try and immerse into, I don't know, I would say like a, a new shoe. So say like, okay, so the 36 is probably done already. They're working on the 37, um, maybe the 38. Okay. So at the time, um, the Jordan 20, um, was a shoe that I absolutely loved and other people absolutely hated. Um, it could either be the, the strap, um, the laser, uh, printing on the shoe at that, but I thought it told a wonderful story and shout out to Mark Smith for being able to, to do that along with Tinker Hatfield, uh, and collaborating for that game shoe. But, you know, there's, there's, there's little things in that shoe that, uh, a lot of stories that were told and they put out some beautiful, uh, commercials with, um, you know, let your game speak. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that commercial or, um, you know, just like really storytelling MJ's game. So, or even like, you know, on the shoe, they have like, um, uh, you know, POP for, uh, for pop, um, whether, and like, you have to look at the actual shoe to understand like what each icon meant. And even now, like I go back and I still have to like, think about like, if you're really into this stuff and, uh, you're really passionate about like, you know, the lineage of Jordan brand, like you look at that shoe and it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of things going on that draws inspiration from MJ's life. Um, you know, just, just stuff like that. Like, I, I feel like storytelling in a sense is, is, is misled where, you know, everyone now, uh, is thinking about reselling a shoe because there's so many shoes that are coming out. Um, it's always about like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't get that shoe today. There's always next week to get something new. And I feel like people don't have a grasp of the, the true storytelling of, of a sneaker. And they, they don't, they don't, they don't put themselves into the shoe as much as like, I personally would love to see, or I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but I just feel like the attachment there is, is, is not, um, it, it's always about the next shoe. And obviously it, it's a brand they're there to make money. Um, so, you know, it's either the brand relies on, you know, what I do as far as, you know, YouTubing this stuff or putting stories out on Instagram and sharing it with the world and, you know, hoping, you know, people uh, embrace it or not. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it, it's really hard to determine, you know, the direction that the brands will end up taking. But um, who knows? You know, it'll it'll probably change again in five years. Yeah. I, I uh, Because you brought up The Last Dance, I wanted to read something real quick because I had I had hit up um, if you're if you're in our discord, you know who Brighton is. Um, he's a young cat that is super passionate about sneakers. And I actually hit him up uh, yesterday, the day before to, to ask him about the last dance um, as somebody who never got to watch. Jordan is, you know, still a, a teenager. And I just thought his his response was really fascinating. So he said, for me, watching The Last Dance was probably a different experience than most of you guys because I'm younger and wasn't growing up watching this all unfold. It was really cool for me to kind of experience Mike's career in a sense and not just highlights. It helped me really see why he is seen as the GOAT and what kind of impact his mythical, this mythical man's sneakers must have made in the sports world. It made me think how amazing it is that this man, who was the best athlete in the world, got paired with the Air Jordan 1, one of the best shoes in the world, and the shoe that got me into sneakers. The documentary in a, 
in a whole was a little jumbled in my opinion, but I didn't care too much because I was just happy to experience every part of it and learn as much as I could. And I, I, so if you're in the discord, you know, you, you've, you've probably either seen Brighton or talked to him on there. And one of the things that I really was impressed when he joined was that here he is somebody that has really no, no real reason to go back and understand these stories, but like, like, I love that because maybe it's because like that was me at, at 17, 18, trying to understand what made these skateboarders and these, you know, baseball players and basketball players the the, the gods of their era. But like the that I, I, I kind of relate that to to what you said, because, you know, this the storytelling aspects of all of these shoe designs, I, I'm a big fan of the 20 as well and storytelling aspect that was a part of that really captured my attention at the time in a way that was like, wow, this is really a celebration of 20 years of, of, of us here in these little tidbits. And one thing that I really liked about the last dance is that it got this new generation an opportunity to like, understand, you know, not just the like crazy uncle saying, here's a pair of Jordans. You'll never hear, you'll never believe why these are great, but like literally watch it come from the man himself talking trash about the Detroit Pistons or whatever those moments within the last dance that, that I resonated with or, or whoever, you know, whatever it is for each individual, but like the opportunity for a new generation to kind of like, obviously get reintroduced to what this did for, you know, everyone our age, you know, 10, 20 years older than, than that teenage kid right now. And it's, it's almost like reaffirming what I was, you know, kind of thinking about as you were talking about that, the brands, the brands need, you know, so much more help from guys like you, Marvin, guys like, you know, Rowett, Robbie, myself, that, you know, they're hiring people. And, and the, the more we go, the more we bring in people that have that have that passion. But there's so much opportunity to like you said, the, the pop, you know, like, or, or just like Mark Smith and the lasering. I mean, that in itself as a sneaker guy is like an, an era, man. Like that was like, like most people right now probably have no clue because that was just perfectly outside of the window of the attention that came from the resale market in like the early, or, you know, 2011, 2012, like blowing up to a mainstream level. Plus it also was like, if you weren't on the forums, before the blogs, you didn't see a whole lot of, of lasering, you know, like you had to, you saw the laser fours, you saw a few here and there, but like, there was a lot of lasering being done. And, and like that in itself and Mark Smith being the, you know, the proponent of that and the, the advocate for that uniqueness and the individualness, the individuality that they could create out of lasering products all across the board. Right. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's totally random, but like, a couple of weeks ago, I was on eBay looking at stuff and I came across a, uh, like a, I forget if it was a bag or a backpack that had like almost like the, the 20, like the strap on the 20 with all the lasering, you know, like that was, that had all the details on it. And it was almost like laser, you know, kind of details on a bag. And, you know, I guess just me not thinking about all the other pieces to sneakers that come every year with that. It was like, wow, this is crazy. I, I didn't even think about it. And then that led me down the whole path of like, what else am I forgetting about? Like, you know, like all the times that Nike SB did elephant print belts, you know, like all the stuff that just like 
you know, they're still pulling from all these individual pieces of the Jordan story and the Jordan lineage to represent to a different consumer, but also the same consumer, uh, you know, the same interest. Right. And it's 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 really kind of crazy to hear somebody, you know, like from from Brighton, who's, you know, a, a full generation behind myself and like to, to think of like how he's looking at this in the same way and brought that level of excitement to Jordan's. Right. And I think that happened on a, I mean, I know that happened on a massive scale because of the last dance and it was super dope to, to me to see that, you know, kind of reinvigorate the passion for, for what this was. But I also think that there was huge missed opportunities, you know, like I was just talking to, um, my friend Joe today about the missed opportunities for the other brands that were involved in some of these storylines throughout were like, how come general mills didn't release a, a retro Wheaties box for the last dance? I mean, you knew the, the movie, you knew the documentary was coming. I still eat Wheaties occasionally. I would absolutely have gone and bought, you know, two or three boxes of a retro, you know, flight club type Jordan box, right? Just because it, I don't know if I would keep it and save it the way I would have, you know, 30 years ago but it's it's that those types of things where you know we see it with the Gatorade stuff we see it with you know kind of like uh, I guess other ways where they're trying to bring in more relevant stories PlayStation stuff right PS5s and all these shoes that have come out with like the PG line or or whatever but like I almost feel like you know taking your thoughts there a little bit further it's almost like it's almost like it needs to come back in, right? It needs to come back into really become more focused and more poignant with those stories in order to make sure that people actually, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know, get the passion and catch the, catch the, I don't know, I don't want to call it a disease, but it's basically like the catch the, the drug, bug. right? <laughs> that we all caught. So I don't know. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to stop so right with like you guys. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll mention that they can easily do this if they just brought the retro cards back. You know what I mean? Like that type of packaging type thing where they just include something, uh, a little blurb about something in the packaging or like make the packaging look presentable to be able to be like excited about the shoe that you're about to get. So, for example, you brought up the the Yellowtail Reeboks that are coming out. There's an attachment with Kobe in that because of his sneaker free agency. And you pair that with Iverson and them having like, you know, this these battles on the courts and how each of them respected each other, like that shoe's going to sell out when it comes out. So just those little things is like, if they include something that gets you excited about a shoe, I think you would get more people wanting to be excited about, Oh, well, where did this come from? And how can I learn more of that? So, you know, just, just, I think it's the brand's direction to be able to, you know, move people in a sense to where they want to have to learn about this stuff and just want to soak in information. So, you know, with Brighton, you know, I, I love how you brought it up that he was really excited and very passionate about wanting to learn about this stuff. I, I bring up Kobe and he's going to bring, or they're going to, they're going to make a film about him. And, you know, we're all excited about that. Even after he passed away, I was really excited about hearing other people tell stories of his myth and legend so you know having having kobe be like this really dog on the court and understanding why he was he was that 
and you know just understanding more into depth what mama mentality was so you know that time will come and i'm really excited to be able to you know watch that and have others you know understand why kobe was who he was and then you know 15 20 years down the line we'll hear lebron's story and why he was like a a player that everybody wanted to play with like what made him uh, the lovable character and also the most hated character you know what i mean like so that stuff will come into time i just i just hope that people will want to embrace things and be optimistic about wanting to learn um not just of you know okay well this is a sneaker and okay well what's the next one about but understanding the lineage and you do a great thing with sneaker history and having these podcasts thanks man i wanted to actually kind of i guess throw this to Robbie because bringing up the retro cards is is a great example of I think the opportunity to you know storytell without it being integrated into the shoes but also retell stories and one of the things that that Robbie mentioned on on one of his recent lives I think on on our Instagram was about the Air Max 90 and how you know it came with all this like with all the nostalgia that we've kind of been craving in a sense, right? Even if we didn't really know that we were craving it, but like the Air Max 90 in 2020 is, you know, uh, essentially like the, the, the radiant red infrared and all the other Air Max threes became like this, like a kind of an anomaly for the sneaker world, right? Because not only were they massively produced, they were actually really well-made and, and like Robbie is not an Air Max guy normally but ended up you know picking up a handful of them but like that to me so like i guess like i'm gonna toss this to you robbie but like it affected you with the air max 90 do you think that it you know the return of retro cards in some form or you know all the all the little things that you know came with the jordans throughout the way i like i think of the jordan 20 had the mesh bags and the little disc you know circle cardboard disc thing of all the details how much mm -hmm. of that stuff matters to you and how much of that stuff can be applied to say the lebron lineage or the kobe lineage because there's i know it wasn't there the first time in the same way that that it was for jordans but we're also talking you know retro cards we're talking about like the retro product right that's what helped us kind of like in an era without social media go back and think damn, I need to get all these other colorways, right? It reminds me of like a, a Master P album back in the 90s, right? Where you like flip it open and you're like, oh shit, here's the next 12 CDs I got to buy. <laughs> now, um, Nick, I, th I think you're tripping because I think you brought up <laughs> the nostalgia part of the Air Max 90 in your video. Oh, damn, damn. I think it was uh, you. Because yeah, the purple Air Maxes, that's what I was watching. I remember watching you pull out the purple ones, the ones yeah. that I didn't get. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. So it's like, the I have really flat feet, so it's cool that they come with the little wedge pieces in the Air Max 90, but I hate that Air Max 90. That's what I was saying, that I hate the Air Max 90 <laughs> box because it's just so little. Those retro running boxes, if you're a size 12 to 13 like Nick and I am, it doesn't fit, fit right. Like this shoe gets smashed just putting it in the box. But retro cards are just – retro cards are such a unique thing because – they have no real purpose to them, but they're just fun, like F-U-N. Like, there's no purpose to them, really. And, I mean, 
to a point you got to look back at all let's use the jordan 9 retro card for example i guess all of them up until a point you get to see the past shoes that came from it cool you got to see it like on the jordan 8 mj like was it's like dunking in space or something on the jordan 8 retro card i believe um those kind of things are cool but when it comes to retroing new athlete product um it's been kind of a bummer from a packaging standpoint, those FUN things, the fun aspects, because the LeBron 2 and 7 retros came, well, scratch that, the 7 came back in an OG box, like the original box, but the the LeBron 3 and the LeBron 1 came in orange, hard. I call it the hard boxes, the hard Nike sportswear boxes. And that's kind of a bummer because the 3 originally came with um, one of those push boxes that the Jordan 11s come in where you push it in and you always kind of hear it fart when you, when you push the box in <laughs> and have the, the double flaps on them, F-U-N. but it also, ha- yeah, this yeah. F-U-N, <laughs> here in the F A R T. Um, but the, the three box had a handle kind of like a, uh, Nintendo GameCube, the LeBron three on the back and the air zoom generation box was just a a standard Nike box back in the day, you know, the gray, the gray and orange kind of with the stars on it or whatever pattern. I would have loved to see those cool things. I love those early 2000s Nike basketball, those non-discreet. You could have a sample, you could have a million dollar shoe in there and it's a fucking gray and orange Nike box and it's awesome. But the Kobe stuff too, like the, the boxes, like the Kobe six, for example, the six pro tro comes in the same box that the one pro tro comes in. I don't have a five pro tro, so I can't speak to it, but the one and the six come in the same box. The six originally had a box that said phenomenon on it, had the cool print throughout it. And those are just the fun things you miss out on, but you get added performance in the Kobe's. Um, you get great samples that I never thought I would own like St. Vincent, St. Mary's LeBron things. So there, there's trade-offs like cool. I'll happily take a SVSM colorway. I'm not paying thousands of dollars for, and I'll take the orange box with it if that's what you're giving me. But Jordan has always had, I mean, Jordan has has been around so long. I think the most fun things about Jordan are the boxes more than the cards. Like I miss the 2010 silver. I call it like the spaceman boxes for like that, that space, that spacey graphite in black. Then you have the face boxes from the, the mid two thousands, you know, the Jordan 12 came in the nondescript, jump man looking box that looks like a nike box it's just like so many th- those are the fun Su- things the suitcase right with quentin uh richardson and darius miles yeah. doing yeah. this so the 17 yeah. I mean, and the 18 th- coming with uh briefcases no 18 didn't come with a briefcase 17 came with a briefcase people 18 want has had a weird pack. box well, if we're yeah. talking about packages definitely people want if if the shoe if the shoes didn't come back people want at least the briefcase back <laughs> At least the yep. briefcase, yep. but like the coolest shoes I've had this year. So the the Super Mario Pumas, like that has screenshots of different Mario games on the paper. And that's just F-U-N, man. That's good yep. stuff. Yep. So I got I got two questions and, and we can wrap up. First one being, you know, thinking about like the Pumas, right? The paper having those graphics, uh, thinking about like, you know, somebody just recently asked me if. I thought that Jordan should bring back the boxes from 94, right? It's like the most, I think the most obvious, uh, you know, like homage to the lineage of the shoes, right? Was the Jordan, the 94 boxes with the, you know, the kind of 
graphics that showcase all the sh- all the you know elements of the shoe throughout and i i i on some level i'm like like we don't need to go down that path but on the on another level i'm like yes of course like i'd put that box on the wall you know next to another piece of art you know because it was so important to see that but also it's like one of those things where you know do does it resonate the same way with you know other products or retros the second time around like let's let's take the idea of either packaging or retro cars or any of those fun things but i don't know why i did that but that that's our thing now <laughs> is the fun i think you should copyright that robbie cuz that could uh, generate a lot of money for you if done properly <laughs> fart but like yeah, that was a good F-A-R-T, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the fart boxes. Yeah. F-A-R-T boxes. Um, you open a box, it smells like Jordan's fart. <laughs> <laughs> can't, I, we can't do anything serious around here. No. Um, but so like thinking about that, could you or would it be interesting to you guys if maybe different elements of what made that important outside of Jordan, outside of Kobe, right? I'm not saying this got, this makes it important to you, but like, let's say DeMar DeRozan wore some Grinches this year. Five to 10 years from now, do you want to see that piece of the story represented? Does it make any sense? You know, what? how do you guys feel about that whole idea and what that could look like? It makes sense to me if you're using DeRozan as your character study in this because he's an LA guy. He has that connection to Kobe. Mm. He had always those player editions of Kobe, if I'm correct. But I mean, I love your idea of packaging and the FUN copyright, Robbie. It's one of those things where as you were going through that spiel, Nick, I can think of a pair of Nike Tiempos because I fancy myself a soccer player. I don't know if I actually am a soccer player, but there was a colorway that came out a couple years ago, which was attributed to Andrea Pirlo. And he's known as a winemaker in his spare time. And the, the sneaker came in a box. And when you open the box, it had cork frilly paper on it. So it looked like a wine bottle in there. That is fun. That is something I will remember. And it's one of those things where somebody alluded to the point that print is dead. And maybe that's the literal reason why we don't have trading cards anymore (laughs) in the actual thing, because whatever the modern day equivalent of a trading card would be, I think it would get relegated to an app somewhere. And because of the fact that it's so disposable and that's kind of the point of having these apps, you're not going to have that uh, lifelong representation of that shoe. So if you're going to tell these stories with the print, Uh, with the packaging and whatnot case in point the Grinch even the Bruce Lee like I think Kobe's done a great job of tying his mythology to other existing mythologies and it's almost an opportunity lost because maybe this Grinch packaging should have had some characteristics or homages not only to Kobe but Dr. Theodore Gissel himself so who knows yeah so every year I I come up with a list of the five things Jordan Brand and Nike can improve on in the coming year so packaging has always been one of the things that I bring up. And, you know, again, it's F-U-N things. So including including storytelling pieces into the shoes or into the packaging is always something fun. And things that you remember, you know, you brought up the, the, the wine, you know, bottle and the cork and all that stuff. Um, several years ago, they did the Paranorman thing, I think, was, uh, you know, where you actually had to open the box uh to, to be able, you know, uh, what is it like? Uh, you, you get a package in the mail, it's cut like that zip type thing. 
and you got to yeah. open it up to see what's inside. Um, but yeah, some of those things are just like really fun to be able to do. Um, I, I can imagine being a kid and just like, you know, if you're coming out with shoes every week, it's like, okay, well, it's a package that I want to unwrap. Uh, you know, it's, it's just like one of those things where like you want to be able to get into it and that's the storytelling aspect of things. So, um, if, if the brands can't get it right, <laughs> um, you know, at, at least have that. Yo, here's, I almost don't want to say it on the air cause it, it might be a billion dollar <laughs> idea. Get paid for what it. If, <laughs> what if there's get that money? What if there's an auxiliary company that makes commemorative boxes for your for your shoes? Dun dun dun! Like, I like you make a whole thing. You make a whole. You make your own Jordan card and you throw that in there. Yeah, who knows? But that'd be a cool idea. I got. Yeah. I got a lot of. Do customizers of- tend to do the shoe boxes alongside their pairs? Like. Um, I always butcher his name, Mock, oh, whenever Mosh, or match yeah. when Mosh. he made. Yeah, yeah. Like, does is there that boxing or that packaging component yeah. as well that he customizes? Yeah, for sure. So that's an easy win in a sense. Yeah. So so I think like you know for like the closest I can you know relate to in my like journey through this sneaker thing was when we it was actually like four years ago now we. Um, launched the air zoom generation for you know StockX, right and when i went to StockX, you know there weren't there weren't that many people working there right like you know i was like employee eight or nine and it was like what can we do that's cool that we have access to that we don't we don't have the resources in terms of people to do all this stuff um but we lucked out in having dan gilbert owner of the Cavaliers be the investor in the company that connected us to that project. And, you know, we actually built the boxes out of the floor because they replaced the floor after that season. And it was, it was a really fun project. I think, you know, I I would love to have seen it get more, you know, have more available and and make it a big thing, but it, it went to charity. Like it was, it was, it was a really fun project. And like that element of it was my favorite part, right? Like I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. I'm a fan of the Zoom generation. I can even overlook that you, you know, destroyed my Kings your first night in the league. Like it's all okay. I'm not, I'm not going to take it personal, but like putting together that story with the championship rings, with the, you know, floor from the, from, you know, from Quicken Arena um, or the queue as they called it. And, you know, like being able to bring all those elements in is a, the, the most fun of that whole, you know, that whole journey and that whole, like, I guess, event, right? It was really a big deal for us to be able to even get to that point because it took a lot of back and forth with Nike. I, I don't want to speak too much to it, but maybe I'll get Josh on one day to talk about it. But like, it, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of regulation when it comes to Nike and, and who they partner with, what they do, what they're willing to give up, any kind of creative control, you know, um, and that and that still is is the case with you know the biggest names that you can think of that are collaborators, right? The Virgil Ablos, the Jerry Lorenzos. There's still a lot of lines drawn in the sand saying this is where you don't cross, right? I mean, we as consumers might see it as like, yeah, Virgil like ripped the swoosh off and restitched it back on, but like, I mean, it makes me think of like the the conversation 
another person we should get on, Nick DePaula, like Marvin and I, uh, it might actually been the first time we met in person was at the Soul Collector event in Santa Monica when the 11 Comforts released, right? And that shoe was a, originally Nick and Steve Mulholland like pitched that shoe to Tinker as a Jordan 11 high with a carbon fiber upper. And, you know, unfortunately, like it was okay with Tinker, but it didn't get past the next level of, you know, stamp of approval to make the collab happen. And we ended up with, you know, a still a beautiful shoe, right? But like, I also think about like, I didn't get the carbon fiber box that we released that in, but it was one of the most beautiful boxes I've ever seen. I'm a, I'm a big car guy. So like that whole element was like even more, you know, in my face. But like, if you ever get the chance, or I'm sure if, if I'm sure there's some on eBay, right? Like it was one of the most beautiful boxes I've ever seen and super fragile, super crazy. But I, at the same time, you're talking about, you know, that one of a kind experience that I think almost inspires people to like chase after things that they normally wouldn't chase after. Right. Sometimes, like you said about the briefcase, right. I, I'm not like a huge 17 fan, but if they came back with a briefcase, it would definitely be a selling point for me. In terms of like 2021, what are some of the, <coughs> sorry, but like, so I guess like last question, you know, anniversary type product that in terms of like 2021, what are some of the to, to, you know, like like bring back retros or you know anniversary type products just like that you think guys that are that are, are know, big opportunities for Nike like to to you know like bring back and and kind of represent <laughs> to a new generation or to just like you know rehook the old guys that are that are you know constantly trying to say like I'm over this you know coming up on the 25th anniversary MVP for me is that uh you know, when it comes to Jordan, like you always think about the Holiday 11. Uh, you know, coming up on the 25th anniversary of the All Star Game, the '96 All Star Game, uh, Columbia 11s. Like I wanted that shoe to come back, and I mean, there's still time. I put it out in the in the in the IG sphere, I guess you call it. Uh, you know, so if Jordan Brand wants to go ahead and still make that shoe and you know release it in the summertime or in the fall, like. I'm, I'm open to it. They've done multiple 11s in a, in a calendar year, so why not those? You know, you're celebrating one of the iconic, you know, pieces um, as far as, like, that All-Star game is concerned with the jersey even. Um, boy, that packaging would be nuts, too, if they ended up uh, doing some type of inspiration between them two. But, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, the creative thing happening. But, um, yeah, but so the Holiday 11, you know, is always something, um, you know, it seems like we're going to be getting the, the cool grays, um, which is still cool, too, because that hasn't come out, you know, in the past, you know, for, for the last 10 years. Um, it just, hopefully they do it right. I've, I've heard people talk about, well, what if it comes back with a mesh upper instead of that new buck upper? And I'm like, uh, I hope not because, you know, we want to remember things as they came out. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited about those. I'm excited about the Carmine sixes. The first time Nike year is going to come back on the back of those. Um, you know, any, anything OG colorway wise, um, I like to see, uh, whether they can improve upon the last retro or, you know, get it as close to the original as they could. Um, it's always a challenge. Um, and anything, anything else that is like, 
um, a clean color palette, like there's these uh, blue and white ones, like what do they call the turbo blues or whatever they're called, the, the Jordan 1s that are coming out in, in a couple months. You know, new stuff like that. I'm, I'm always open to, to uh, new color palettes. Um, as far as like new design, mm, we have yet to see, I guess. It's, it, it's going it, it's gonna to have to push me past like an Adapt 11 or another Adapt uh, Air Jordan to push me over the edge to want to have to cop something like that, as well as the price. You know, an Adapt 11 is what 500 bucks. That's not going to budge me. How do you feel about so? before I I pose that same question to you, Robbie and Rowett, Marvin, how do you feel about so? One thing that I have always thought always been curious about is the material choices on retro product, right? They don't do the original. The, uh, the cool grays seem to be like a, sometimes they look like, I mean, they, 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 they I don't want to say mess up, but they don't do the original materials all the time. Right. Like sometimes they look like they attempt it. Sometimes they do a decent job and other times they're like a completely different ballpark. Right. I don't know. Is there a way that they could potentially release like a on the other side? I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Two versions of the Cool Grays, right? Like there is the reason why I ask is because I'm kind of on the other side of that. Where like don't get me wrong. I'm gonna take the. This is where I realize that Jordan's got us by the balls. But like I'll take any Cool Gray Eleven at this point, just because I need. I haven't had a pair in a long time, and. Jordan I'd be happy with either one, match, but I also the images was writing for Soul Collector and East Bay and when the original sample of that Jordan, the Cool Grays with the mesh, and the images the were sent to us by Jordan to post. And then, of course, we posted them on the East Bay blog, on the Soul Collector, you know, blog back in the day. And, you know, the next day you've got people from Jordan saying, we changed that sample. We're going back to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. But like that to me is also a very like focused story on my own journey and on my own experience that makes me think, oh, I'd actually like to see both of these as a possibility. So I wonder if, if there's a way that we could, if you think there's a way that there's even a possibility that, Potentially different we materials, want, like we want because it's again. Kind of, I guess I'm answering this for myself, but I'll, I'm going to ask you. It's almost like we're putting ourselves in this position where, like, how can we? We know we we know we want the exact replica of you know as close to spec as possible from the ones that we're cherishing in our minds. But then also, how can we switch it up a little bit without it becoming like the $500 adapt, right? Because to me, the adapt is. Close, but the only the only connection that I saw to the adapt was that original Tinker sketch where it's like, ah, no, it's not the same. You know, like I get that you're throwing it out there and it's close, but honestly, I'd rather just have a regular Jordan 11 as the Tinker sketch the same way you did the threes because I'm into that, you know, historical lineage and the, and the behind the scenes story that was there when I first got into this. But enough of me rambling. What, what do you think about the, the, the materials? So I almost think... I think that even this year they, they started messing with uh, the Jordan 11 Jubilee. So I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a men's version and there's a women's version and there's two different style codes, but it's the same shoe from my understanding. So in a sense, you can 
transition that into having two types of cool gray 11s for holiday of 2021 and it would make sense so why not just give what everybody wants as far as like a general release with what mj wore back in 2001 when he wore it with the new buck upper but and still be able to go ahead and make the mesh version but limit it so and, that you know, at least not, you get I, I people that this, but want the mesh version the price on that and still be able to get the cool grays, but try and get so the mesh version. In a sense, you can get and, you know, I'm not I, I hate cool to do this, and, but and you could even you know, up the price on that if you wanted to, if they're also going to limit it. You know what I mean? So in a sense, you can get two versions of that cool gray 11 and still, you know. So put money in the pockets of, of Jordan brand, shoes. you know what I mean? And still, still get people talking about, oh, wow, there, shoes. you know, there is this Luna other version of, of the 11. So, so you know, why not go for both? I'll, I'll, they're I'll different shoes. Like, you know, in the car world, it's still about the same, uh, but they're still Honda, different shoes. Who knows? So are there any retros that I'll do this too. I'll even say like, you know, in the car world, as far as like Hondas, they got a DX model, an LX model, an EX model, EXL. Like, how far do you take it uh, as far as that branch of similarity goes to where you have the lower tier of, say, an Air Jordan 3 with Jumpman on the back versus, you know, going up the scale to wanting to get something that's purely for the purist, the OG, and have Nike Air with the shape all the same and everything like that. So, you know. How do you, you know, but that's just it might be too much I for, for Jordan brand to do to be able to create these tiers of, of sneakers in the same, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's type. a great analogy, but um, it makes me kind of think of, you know, uh, but that's just something that I put out there in, 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 in the, in the atmosphere, whether they take the idea or not. <laughs> I mean, that's a great analogy though. It makes me kind of think of, uh, oh, I forget what it was that released this, you know, in 2020 that was, uh, there's a. Was it the Kyrie's that you, you know, you didn't know what colorway you were getting out of the four or five mystery box? Yeah, I mean, Even with the Jordan there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, there's a, there's just an element of the chase there that's appealing to, to people too, that they could, they could have some fun with. Even with the Jordan 19s back then, where you had the East, the West, and the Central, you know, you had, if you were really into collecting, you'd have to get all, or you'd want to get all three. Very simple thing that's always. Yeah, so. Had a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. I've almost bought them. I'll keep mine short and sweet. The, over the Kobe past, six Orange County six years. is a is a very simple if thing that's always had a special place in my heart. I've almost bought them for like five hundred bucks a couple times over the past Orange County five six years. But now, now if they bring that phenomenon box back, I'll lose my shit. But from from a retro products standpoint, the Orange County six that's such a slept on. Now, now it won't be slept on. Now it's gonna be full tension on it. But this, this Italian that was one where it's like it was fucking on that. sale and I didn't buy it in 2010. Bro, I played myself. Yeah, <laughs> played myself on all the Kobe Sixers. I was working at Nike and I was like, ah, oh, these this you, Italian What's camo pack. I don't know about that. You want to see come back. Even with an employee. Yeah, it sucks. Part of the game. Corporate answer. I think it's about that. How about you, Rowett? What's a retro sneaker you want to see come back? Uh, I'll give a personal and then probably a corporate answer. Corporate answer. I think it's about that time frame now that maybe you start retroing the VC because I think before LeBron, before Jordan, like he was kind of that stopgap between the two eras. And the way we were salivating, especially after that dunk contest performance and some of those other moments that just took your breath away, like he was that dude for a certain generation. We're almost a Subgeneration of basketball fan that 
we're always going to romanticize Vince Carter. So I'd say any one of his shocks or any sort of tie-in that you want to do, I think will go a long way in bridging that gap and letting people know that there was this era in between Jordan's last dance and LeBron's first one. Personally, I say this once a year. I'm happy that I actually have a bigger platform to say this. Airjet flight, Max, please. Airjet flight, please. It was the Kobe 4 before the Kobe 4 in a sense. Uh, all the favorite players of mine from that era, Nash, Nowitzki, hell, even Bruce Bowen decided to wear this shoe. It's just a shoe that I always salivate and I get captivated on and I know I'm preaching to a very small choir but it's a dedicated choir so brethren please sing along and maybe somebody from Nike is listening that that that's those are great suggestions and actually it made me realize I was trying to think of the alpha project like it was a Nike alpha project that had the five dots on all the shoes like flight positive flight so that was uh I want to say that was like the the entry into I don't, not necessarily the beginning, but we'll have to actually get him on the podcast at some point. But like that was kind of Jason Petrie's like entry into uh, the the you know bigger things. bigger things that yeah like where you know he's obviously handled the LeBron thing for so long now. But um, it's it's really tough to say because I obviously look at you know old stuff all the time and just constantly am reminded of stuff that I just think. You know, oh, this would be really cool. So and then I I'm have that moment that, of like, you know, like, like waiting for the brethren to sing in my choir and never hearing anyone. And so I'm honestly just happy that, you know, like I didn't get cool gray threes. I am interested in grabbing a pair of those. The cool gray 11s, obviously, I just I feel like that's one of the most wearable Jordan 11s. And I don't have the same protective nature towards that colorway that I would with, you know, like my my playoffs or space jams. Um, or, or, you know, like the Columbia's right. Like I would absolutely hundred percent love to see the Columbia's come back. But I don't know that I'd wear them the same way I would have, you know, in 97, 98 after I, you know, beat them up for a while. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, man, it's just a beautiful shoe and yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. Cause the 2010s had that bluish weird, like kind of, what is that? That's the 2001s. Did you pull that part? Mm -hmm. yeah. Tint yep. on the bottom. Oh yeah, I forgot. Because the 2010s had that bluish, weird, like kind of. Yeah, yeah. Let's, no, let's let's talk. The, about the whole that's, the whole thing a, about the vintage like, uh, look nowadays. I actually wanted to get your guys' thoughts on. I didn't know if you wanted to bring that up, but maybe on. Yeah, yeah. Let's. No, let's let's talk about it. I think that's a that's a that's a good like uh outro conversation. I mean, it drives me nuts. It's garbage. I, mean, I hate it. it. If you it's, want maybe your fucking <laughs> Dior ones to look beat up, go wear your Dior ones till they're beat up. I mean, it, that drives me nuts. Like, I mean, and maybe just because I have black cements that are genuinely yellowed. I have Jordan 11s that are, I mean, Jordan 5s that are turning to piss yellow on the sides. Give it time. Don't pay anybody to make that happen for you. I think it's so stupid. That's my look. Is there any situation where you could see? Yeah, it? I, I it's agree. definitely a bizarre Team thing to me, whether it's sneakers or otherwise. Uh, it's hard. I mean, to is there any? Is there I mean, any situation where you could see? I'm just going to use that example. That be appealing, whether it's sneakers or otherwise. Those shoes, uh, they're yellowed and aged, like, like they look I mean, beautiful to me. Let, let's. Yeah, I'm just going to use that example because right you pulled out the 2001 Cool Grays, right? 
those you know, shoes, crispy, even though they're yellowed and aged, and like a, a clearer, they look beautiful to me. You know, I and oh, yes. if I walked into a store right now and saw them, outsole, I'd still be excited. You know, to whether they were crispy, brand new, but I and a, a clearer, like, you know, or I guess a little less upset if they tried to sell us yellowed outsole, you know, I'd still be excited either way, probably. But I, like I could get would away with that on also be like I don't know Jordan One maybe upset if they tried to sell us a already do that you know a vintage not, not even, look like, Jordan Eleven right like I feel like you could get away with that on yourself but like I don't know Jordan know, One maybe or something where like people already do that uh, not even like not even doing it as like as in physically aging the shoe for yourself but like. You know, we we wear those shoes those into the ground so like, way more than we would a pair of Elevens, right? At point, Just it at least in my gum. my experience and my I mean, approach it to it. Translucent gum. I don't know. Yeah. I would buy those yellowed. So like, it's called that gum bottom at this point. Release it with translucent <laughs> gum. I mean, it is what it is. Translucent I mean, so, gum. I, mean, I just think back. Yeah. You know, um, the 2016. That sounds F U N. Navy and gum bottom. That's the second billion dollar idea you've had, Rob. I'm gonna start calling you Young Elon Musk. I mean, so I mean, I just think back. Um, the 2016 uh, navy and gum bottom 11 lows. That's the exact same color, just translucent, just about. Not exact, but I mean, pretty darn close. Where you can factory replicate that. But then you also have to do the shape. You also have to bring back that patent cut. You have to do. You just can't slap the yellow on the bottom and be like, okay, it's rustic. Like no, it has to be something a little more to the dish still look good with that kind of age yeah i don't know i mean there's so many versions of but shoes out the there that i think like doing it still look good with that kind of aged super corny yellowed vintage look but the idea of people like doing it just to do it to their shoes to make them look like it is super corny to me i mean like that you wear them to make them your wear own, your shoes. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, I look at shoes the same way I look at like, you know, selvage denim, right? right? Like you buy a pair of jeans like that, we you wear them stories. to make them your own, right? And, and as much as we, you know, like, this is a conversation that I, I literally you know, just had with Russ Bankston. Like, we also have we create our own stories in these. Like, as much as we like appreciate, collect, you know, obsess over. The, the bigger story, we also have our own personal stories. And I think that's the most important like part about the sneaker do. thing. And, you know, going back to like, I, I kind of already said this, but like, you know, like I mean, if if you're looking for a, a shoe to, to look like you've worn it a lot more than you did, right? I'm really lazy when it comes maybe to just try wearing the shoe, you know, like, I mean, it doesn't take much more than a couple of weeks of beating up a pair of shoes for them to really look old, right? I'm really lazy when it comes to cleaning my shoes. And I could tell you for from experience, I could get a brand new pair of whatever pair. And two, three weeks from now, if I don't pay attention and I'm not cleaning it on a regular basis, it looks like it's a year's years deep in my life kind of kind of shoe just because. Wait, Especially in the winter time, right? You just you just naturally beat up the shoes more, so it's it's really weird to to see that it's I don't know, like it makes me feel all sorts of weird ways, and I don't know how to express myself about it right now. I would almost argue that you know with the with the cleaning companies and how they have always pushed with you know with the brushes and the cleaners and everything like that. If they do a pivot and they start working on providing materials that make 
shoes look vintage. You know what I mean? Like, it could easily be a thing. Call Home Depot, man. Abrasive materials. It's called sandpaper. And, you know, they will probably sell you sandpaper, but still put their brand name on it. Protect $18. You'll be able to buy the Mr. Clean and the Mr. Sandpaper? I will say, though, Jason Mark brushes are is a premium brush. That's that's my one plug. I'll end there. The idea of Full stop. The idea of what cleaners. Yeah, it's that, that's a whole that's a that's a great so many conversation topic for for another um, another day, right? Like the the idea of cleaning, the idea of what cleaners need to be, the idea of you know, there's there's so many things that I see people doing now. Um, well, here I'll just I, this just showed up, so I just I just got a. Uh, some of this salon 40 like whitener stuff right because obviously the guys that are doing the the cleaning and customizing on the on the discord and you know just friends that are like oh i picked these you know old ass dunks up you know from a flea market or a garage sale or something and like you know freshen it up and i'm like i've got this knowing that like i'll probably take months before i actually get around to using it but it's fascinating to think of like, oh, the, I have like one, of the one pair specifically in mind that I know is still, you know, in a box. But like I have a pair of the Stussy Dunks from, I don't know, 2006 or something, right? And one of the shoes is super yellowed on one side. The other shoe looks brand new as if it came out of the box. But I was like, I don't necessarily want to wear it. I've never worn them because of that. I wanted to I wanted to clean up the, the yellowing like, on one I, to, to at least make a match, right? I you know, I don't need to be Tracy McGrady out there with the you know fifteen year old dunks, like, but like be super careful, like gloves. It's like, one of those things know, where like I as soon as I as soon as I you know sent this to the guys in the Discord, they're like, yo, you got to be super careful, like gloves, like you know, and and all the the you know. Probably retro whatever, all the craziness that can go beyond be just around, like cleaning and, we'll, and taking care we'll of stuff come back, right? and at the end of the day it's just like is this really worth it because it's probably retro of whatever whatever i think is not going to be around will ultimately come back right we're going to see you know a variation of supreme dunks this year so it's like we should actually we should actually do everything is on the table apparently all these brands but i don't know i i uh I don't know. I think I think that's a really interesting conversation. We should actually we should actually do that someday because all these brands cleaning and and whatnot present something interesting and unique. But it's also a lot of marketing talk and a lot of you know just pushing their own thing. And I respect it because it's like hey you know these guys have gotten to do a lot that and create a whole world that didn't exist prior to you know 15 20 years ago and then there's some some guys that like i, I mean just as friends of the the guys at sneaker lab you know they're obsessed with the idea of what bacteria can do as a cleaner which and because my girlfriend's into you know the beauty world like that whole conversation is so much bigger than than sneakers which is funny because like from the front you just see like sneaker lab cleaners and it's like oh cool you know a new cleaner and it's bacteria based and blah 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 but then you talk to joe and he's like he has like six different products like he's doing like all sorts of personal hygiene stuff face stuff all this it's like wow you're like actually really really crazy about this cleaning stuff not just crazy about the sneaker stuff so uh yeah maybe that would be actually a cool way to uh cleaning i'd love to be able to get like you know 
they all some sort of comparison and and you know been able to find at least conversation with multiple to keep themselves in business cleaning companies and and people that are working for those companies because they all have I don't they've all been able to find at least a you know a piece of the market to keep themselves in business so there's got to be some some value to what they're doing there but it's also interesting because like I don't have like any kind of personal like oh you got to use this brush or whatever I'm just like yeah I'm rambling I don't know I got I got I'll just grab whatever Before wipes are go, close, and uh, eventually, like, I use like, every product just to see what it's all like, so... But. All right. Anyway, I'm I'm rambling. Uh, so before we go, uh, Marvin, why don't you let everybody know how they can find you? And if you want to request, I mean, anything anything else before we get off that you need to get out there into the universe. You put some some gems out there. Eventually happen. So if you want to request, I mean, and I also will preface this by saying, you pretty much put it out into the universe that the airship needed to come back, and it eventually happened. So I'm I'm all for supporting your uh your you know wishes into the universe <laughs> no 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 more petitions uh you know in in the near future i people probably wanted me to push the air jordan 2 petition but i'm not going to do that there's other people that are you know more interested in that issue than i am but no there's there's really nothing um as far as like what we want retro um you know i put a a bunch of stuff on my instagram and you guys can follow mjo 23 dan um again my name is not dan people still call me dan it's marvin but um yeah you can follow me on all those uh platforms instagram twitter um one youtube around and facebook you know, hopefully um COVID, pretty much the same uh, name you know, all that um no but you know i'm just really excited to um you know have 2021 uh, roll around and you know hopefully with covid um you know all that stuff's gonna go away um i know the vaccines are rolling out and you know everyone just stay safe and um wash your hands social distance all that good stuff and hopefully we can come out of this we appreciate you guys and Robbie, yes, sir. Robert, I, I'm 100% in agreement with that. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in with us. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys. And Robbie, Rowett, you'll be able to find links to their social in the description. You'll be able to find Marvin, myself. More importantly for me, just follow the Sneaker History channels, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Later. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey y'all, Nick Ingvall here. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a portion of your week hanging with us, and if there are any ways that we can improve the podcast for you, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory and join us for as little as 5 bucks a month. That also gets you access to our Discord group, which is a lot of fun. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. We just started uploading our videos there now, so you can watch the video version of the pod and a lot more. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. It's a small gesture that can go a really long way to making somebody's day a little bit better. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. 
And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.